Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the OVR Film Breakdown. Your host, Jake Burns. We have more weekend bonus content, which is great. If you missed yesterday's show, we were on with Cleve TA of Sharp Football Analysis, where we talked about betting odds, some things that tied into Cleveland, some more NFL-based uh, conversations, but, you know, some long-shot plays that you can you can be of interest for your Cleveland Browns this year, over-under win total, also comeback player of the year, defensive player of the year, long-shot MVP, some of those things that I think would be Worth your attention. If you did not see last night, there was the Jarvis Landry celebrity softball game. Ton of big names. Travis Kelsey came in from Kansas City. Odell, Darius Garland, whole bunch of guys from the Browns. Kareem, uh, I think Denzel Ward was there. Obviously, big man Miles Garrett was there. Looked like a fun time. Baker had a great showing in the home run derby. So if you did not check out the highlights of that, we have some things up at the OBR you can check out. Also, we have top five catches that you can check out from 2020 on the OBR site. You can click on that, see, uh, live a little memory lane action from the 2020 season with the best plays made in the passing department. We've also done run game. We've also done biggest blocks. I'm sure we will get to the defensive side of the ball. We're going to talk today about a, a topic that came up on Twitter about early down passing, where the trend is going in the NFL, where the Browns stood, first down passing, what guys are most interested in seeing this stuff evolve as it grows, as it changes, where it goes over the next few years to 10 years. The NFL has become more pass-heavy. Does it need to become more? I think it's an interesting discussion because it came up, sparked Anthony Reinhardt, who's at Ryan Hurdler on Twitter. You should follow him. Great data analysis stuff about the Browns not calling enough pass plays on early downs. And while I do agree they should be throwing more, I said, you know, they have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and I think they're going to run the football more. I think they're going to continue to do it. Um, but I do think, again, the Browns should find ways to pass the football more on early downs, especially play action. Big believer of that. Uh, Jack Duffin, who you should be following as well for good cap analysis and um, some good discussion on uh, the data as well. He's just at Jack Duffin. Does a nice job uh, on, on the dog land writing up some things. Like I said, the salary cap and some other stuff too. So check out Jack's work. Uh, I liked having these guys on. I think it's a good discussion about is the NFL pushing too pass heavy? I think that's an interesting debate. Or are they just not passing enough? There's a lot of things to be learned, both from my side and their side. And I think it was a really good discussion. So hopefully you do enjoy it. But before, I want to go over and talk about an initiative that is going on through Blue Wire Podcast Network. If you're enjoying listening to this podcast, the OBR Film Breakdown, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know how to start, Hustle's the perfect place for you to do so. I know Brad Ward with All Eyes on Cleveland uses Blue Wire Hustle. It's fantastic stuff. As a part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of all that, we'll get your show pushed out on all of the major uh, podcast hosting places such as Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and many others. 
And the best part is you can get all of this for just $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about your Cleveland Browns, then make your own voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Again, bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box of this episode if you want to find out more. And now, let's pretend to be data scientists. Talk about passing the football more. Let's get over to our interview with Anthony Reinhardt and Jack Duffin, where we learn why the Browns need to be throwing the football in the early downs, but maybe they should pump the brakes, or maybe they shouldn't. I don't know. You decide. Good discussion here. Hope you enjoy it. There can be an understanding and a mutual ground here. It doesn't have to be people who are AKA football guys and people that are, that are driving data conversations. There doesn't have to be animosity there. I think too, too many times with this stuff, I, what I think it does is it really is an interesting shape of what a front office is. How, how much can you listen to each other when, you know, Andrew Barry's on uh, the athletic podcast talking about data that's out there, data that is being given uh, to them and making data driven decisions but also kind of looking at it from both perspectives, from the guys who understand maybe uh, the dynamics of, of game flow, the dynamics of uh, team building, that kind of stuff, but also people saying, hey, man, here's indisputable data that you need to approach your decisions with. Like, you have to make some decisions based on this. I'm not saying maybe all of them, but you need to let this drive your thought process. So I think there's an interesting dynamic that goes on between folks who cover the team and folks who are within the building making those actual important decisions that drive the conversations that we're having now. Uh, I'm fascinated by it because we talked about Kevin Stefanski, the play caller. Uh, I think, Jack, you had mentioned, and I, I should mention who's with me, Anthony Reinhardt. Anthony, how are you? Very good. Thanks for having me on, Jake. <laughs> You're good, man. Uh, yeah, th- thanks for coming. Jack Duffin. Jack, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Happy to join you. Yeah, yeah. So what 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 goes on here is um, a conversation about early down passing, specifically geared toward first down passing. And, you know, I think that Pro Football Focus put out a list of their top play callers, uh, which as I looked at it, didn't really have any patterns that I understood totally. I'd maybe have to listen to a podcast on the decision making of putting uh, Gruden in that that list and some others. But but for the most part, the, the conversation started, Jack, as you said you would like Kevin Stefanski to throw more early downs, to which, again, I am not in disagreement with. Like, I, I don't think you're wrong. I, I think the misconception is I'm trying to say you guys are wrong. I think they should throw more early downs too, which I tried to make a point of throughout the season. Like, there are some early downs here where they're playing, uh, uh, they're playing from 13 personnel, condensed personnel situations, bigger bodies on the field, and they're predictably running into loaded boxes. So – you had made the point that he needs to throw more, which to which again I agree. Um, but I think you guys are a little bit more on the on the on the really needing to throw more philosophy. So just yeah. give me Jack yours first, uh, your first opinion. Like you, be as concise as you can. Just what do you believe should happen with run pass uh, splits in the NFL? Specifically, we got to look at it from the Browns' perspective because this is what we're talking about for our for our fan base here. The team has gone out and shown it. If you just remember that Titans game, which was going to be which team can run the ball best um is going to win and then they couldn't run the ball and then we just aired it up and threw it up all the time and then we absolutely trounced them and it's that sign and if you went back 20 years ago and you were saying hey you need to pass more it it would have been odd whereas every year if we look at the the trend over every single year the nfl's ever been what's happened passing's gone up um i i draw the parallel to the nba 
when people, uh, there's probably crackpots 20, 30 years ago were saying, hey, more three-pointers. If you want to score more, win more, more three-pointers, it would have been an odd thing to say back then. And now everyone's doing it. And it's tough to be a trendsetter, but by passing more, you're just more likely to get it. And just looking at achieving five yards on first down. Um, so it's considered a successful play. Hey, you're getting nearer to a second down or, or further. If you pass the ball 47% of the time, you're going to get there. Whereas if you run the ball, you're only going to do it 32.8% of the time. So that's a significant amount of difference of if you're passing, you're more likely to get just five yards, which you think, hey, first down, you should be able to run well. But that's looking at back over a significant amount of time. It's from Josh Hermsmeyer's article on, um, it's aptly titled for this conversation. It's, you called a run on first down, you're already screwed. Um, and th- that's basically the tone of it. It's like, why not pass the ball? Okay, good. Anthony, where are you at on it? Yeah, so I, I think that, you know, it's always important to consider um, situational factors. So, I, you know, Jack mentioned running on running and versus passing on first and 10, which is, you know, typically a, a very similar situation for a lot of teams. You're going to have differences in, you know, game state as far as win probability, score differential, um, the yard line that you're playing at. But I think that this this conversation is most easily had when we're thinking about first and 10, because there's so many similar plays by a lot of different teams. So um, I just looked last year and um, teams that passed the ball on first and 10, which includes scrambles, sacks, um, you know, interceptions, fumbles, whatever. Um, uh, teams that passed on first down averaged 6.2 yards per play. Teams that ran the ball on first down averaged 3.2 yards per play. So I, I will say one thing, because I, I think a lot of Browns fans and, and Jake and I talked about this yesterday was that, um, the Browns are are a really elite running team. I mean, they, you can argue they're the best team in the league, and and not very many people will will fight you too hard on that. Um, but even being the best rushing team in the league potentially, and being a, a probably above average passing team, I I would say you know they certainly toward the end of the year much stronger than at the beginning of the year, but all in probably just you know above average, but but not not elite by any stretch. Um, you know, you can, you know, the Browns were, you know, they were, if we look at EPA per play, which is a, an advanced metric that tries to, to measure how many points you're adding um, on offense on each play. Um, it, the Browns were, I think they added 0.03 points per play on rushing plays and, and zero is kind of the average. So they're above average, but um on passing plays on first and 10, they added uh, 0.09. So they were 0.06 uh, expected points added per play better when they passed the ball on first and 10. And they were excellent running the ball on first and 10 last year. So I, I think it's it's a situational thing, but on, on downs like first and 10, I would like to see the Browns and you know, a lot of other teams for that matter, but mostly the Browns since I'm a Browns fan uh, to, to pass the ball a little more, no matter how good you are running it. Well, well that, that leads to the crux of my question because we went back and forth and I was looking at your efficiency chart. So I'm saying to myself, okay, who, you know, who I'm looking at sports info solutions, who's running the football the most on first downs, which is misleading uh, because, you know, I'm looking at that efficiency chart to myself saying, okay, that includes all scenarios, no win probabilities. Obviously teams that are winning more are going to be rushing more makes sense. Uh, so if you filter in teams that are only ahead by three or trailing by infinity, 
as many points as you could go, it does start to skew towards what you sent back to me, which is teams that either A, run a wide zone system, San Francisco, Cleveland, Minnesota, Tennessee, or B, have terrible quarterbacks who they just don't trust. So that's the crux of the issue is, is the scheme a, pro- a problem? And I think that that might be something that they're asking themselves. I don't know that. The, I don't think the answer is yes, necessarily. You could, you could ultimately say is having Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and wanting them to get the football a problem, like, because they are good. Like they're, they're obviously very good, but what you want to do is unlock because what I'm getting at guys in, in this conversation and is right. You're right. The data is not telling you anything other than what your, your, you know, what your stance is. And, and this is, this is indisputable data. I think Kevin and Andrew and these guys are pretty smart guys. And I know Jack, you had referenced that, that people are trying to save their jobs. And I get that. And I understand that, you know, throwing the football 49 times, 50 times, what did Joe Burrow throw in Cleveland? 62 times when they came to Cleveland, like throwing the football is not necessarily, uh, um, I'm trying to make sure I reference this point, right? Like it's good. It's great. I think there's data that tells you throwing is more effective than running, but there's risk factors involved there. So I guess what I'm looking for you guys, if you were sitting at a table with Kevin, I'll start with you, Anthony. What do you think he's, why is he fighting it? What do you think the fight is? Because he's smart. These are Harvard guys. Like they're, they're really smart dudes who also played football, understand it, coached it. What do you think they're telling you is, Hey, Anthony, bro, you got to pump the brakes, man. Here's why. What do you think you're going to get back from them? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I'll first say that I think Jack and I are sort of, you know, we're in the zealot category of a team should pass the ball more. Um, we're, we're very dangerous folks in that we, we really want to see some team try to pass it, you know, 90% of the time on first and 10, but realistically, I think that there might be a, a wider gap between Kevin Stefanski and, you know, analytics at large than we're willing to admit. I think he's, he seems like a really fungible, uh, data forward person, but I think he's Mm -hmm. still a football coach and he's still going to lean into the things that he's comfortable with. And, you know, Jake, you said that, you know, it's, uh, you know, is there a problem with running the wide zone? And I would say, Jack might disagree with this. I don't think that Brown's scheme is necessarily a problem, given that they, they do pretty well with it. You know, I, I think that, you know, I would, I would say that the change should be maybe a tweak toward passing more in, in longer down and distance situations where you're on, on your first and second downs, but you know, I, I don't want to, you know, sacrifice the integrity of the, the wide zone system, which I think really does, for the most part, work. Um, so, yeah, it, I, it benefits I, your passing game, too. There's there's beautiful there's beautiful play action off of it. I'm just oh, yeah, I'm, I'm just most curious, like if this data is right, which I, I, I am totally with understanding that I can't sit here and, and respond to someone on Twitter who says, Hey, this is NFL cumulative data. And this isn't, I can't be like, Nope, stupid wrong. No, it's right. But my curiosity peaks at these guys who have been in football for a long time and have, have, have a lot of these driving decisions there uh, saying, you know, cause Jackie made a point yesterday, which is coaches want to save their job over doing what maybe is considered bold or daring, right? This is the, this dates back to the how mummy, uh, air raid offenses in college, you know, when Kentucky started doing this stuff, uh, it, it just, it was crazy, but then they started winning 
And it started trickling across football to the point that it spread and it spread and Mike Leach is taking over. We've never really seen an elite, no run throw team at the college level. We've seen very good renditions that have taken maybe lower level talent to a high level. We've never seen Alabama, Ohio State just abandon rushing the football altogether. We've never seen it. So we, even though we talk about the college level, there are examples of how this takes maybe lower level talent and puts them in the upper echelon. Think Hawaii, Colt Brennan, uh, some of those situations. But we've never really seen a big time college football program take a hold of this either, which is really fascinating because people view big time college football kind of in the same way the NFL is. You got to win. You got to produce or you're done. So what you're saying, Jack, is you think there's a true hesitancy between doing this, going all in and keeping your job. Yeah, and no, I, I don't blame them. I, I, there's 32 people that have these jobs, and if you make a mistake of it, you might never get a chance again. But yeah, if, if someone head coach turned around and went, hey, we're going to go 80%, uh, 90% of the time, let's throw the ball on first down, and you don't have a good season, and there can be many reasons why you don't have a good season. You could have actually been more efficient because you did that, but overall, the results of what happens in an NFL season across such a small sample of games can go all sorts of different ways you're at risk of losing your job anytime you do something away from the norm and it's mainly around um kicking um a single field goal rather than going for a two-point conversion that nfl head coaches uh, it tends to be nameless um i think ben albright had the quote um last year or the year before said i, d- I don't care that it's more efficient and the data says it's true I'm not risking my job for this um, because that's it's a big thing you are and we're asking for these people to do. We're going to say, hey, ruthlessly trust the data and we can agree the data's right. But no one's passed 90% of the time on first down. And we are seeing a growing trend. So everyone near enough in the league is supporting this trend and they're moving towards more passing. But it's finding that point. And Anthony did some really interesting data. I think it was last off season where he was looking at um, boxes and what was the most efficient parcel run versus them. And if we go back, I think it was four years, Todd Gurley had that historic season. It was phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. And it was really good, not because he was that efficient at running the ball. He just faced an insanely high amount of light boxes because they were running three wide receivers all the time. And it made the lighter box. And that's almost where the line needs to be drawn that if we force teams into they're playing dime and you've got one linebacker in the box and maybe a safety, Nick Chubb's going to have a field day. And it's that that needs to be made. And there will be a line. There would be a point if you went up to that 90% where teams suddenly start overcompensating for the pass and you smash them with the run. And it's, it's finding where that sweet spot is. And we're nowhere near there yet. And there will be a point. And that's why it's not 100%. Um, and there will be times analytics, hey, in the Super Bowl, when the Seahawks decided to pass the ball, the analytics were saying run. Um, so there are times when the analytics community are, are supporting a run in the ball. Um, Lamar Jackson's <laughs> a perfect example. Oh, yeah. Running quarterbacks is very, very efficient compared to running with a running back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, yeah, because if, like, if you get to 90% pass, right, if you get there, and that 10% wiggle room still leaves you some space for, you know, third and short, fourth and one, goal line, red, you know, red zone situations, does the data become well, we don't know we don't have we don't have the data but but do you think it i have to think it would it would change right the, the, i just think that the if a team a huge thing about defense is anticipatory elements you know if a team can i did a chalk talk on it last night talking about how teams manipulate the snap count because you got to manipulate the snap count because if the team knows what you're running on all the time that split second of knowing when to get off the football matters it just does creates angles gives guys you know, that, that little bit of wiggle room that they need to beat somebody to a spot that matters on any given play. The same with, in your mind, if you can eliminate an element of the game, right? If I'm a defensive lineman and I know I can pin my ears back and rush without having to worry about my run fit here, it changes things and it puts a huge burden on your lineman. So what, in your guy's opinion, is the sweet spot? It, it can't get to 90%. I just think that, that, that if it gets to 90%, I just think you're going to really struggle. And I think that from there, past metrics of efficiency start to fall, or at least efficiency in terms of how many plays you're getting on any net drive. So I'm curious at like, do you think it's at 70%, 75, 80? Like, what is the number that you think works best? Before Anthony comes in with a more data answer, the, uh, the way I would run it on sort of first and 10 is I, I would send my quarterback to the line with a pass play. And it's, Kevin Stefanski is very intelligent and can easily manage this and then have a motion into a, a run. And you can tell him that as soon as he sees what's there, he can actually go, hey, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, they're going to feast if I give them this opportunity. And you can motion it in. And I would always be at, hey, on a first and 10, call that pass, but have, have the trust in your quarterback to go, hey, if you want to motion this in and you see an opportunity, go and have them. And I, I think that's where, I think we might eventually end up, but I'll allow Anthony to try to predict where that line sits. Well, the little challenge there, though, Jack, is that if you motion in, if you want to condense yourselves or do whatever, they're going to follow you. They're going to follow you into the box, and those guys are there. So you would have to do it from setups that are, if you want to go two by two or whatever, you you better do it from no motion. You better not move anybody because if you bring someone in, someone's following. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You motion, and then you pass it still. Okay. Well, then you're layering things at the line of scrimmage. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying there's a lot of things that go into that. I mean, you can make can calls in the huddle. You know, we can, we can run, you know, Z 200 Z jet curl, or we can can it to 18 Wanda or whatever, but there's elements to that. If you bring someone in, someone's coming in. Okay. Or we can say, we're going to go a motion that sells that we're running or selling run and then still throw the football. So I get what you're saying. What you're craving is lighter boxes. So you're, you're craving less tight ends in a sense. That's what you want. Because if you, if you have tight ends, 
you're, you're, you're going to, you're going to get, well, I shouldn't say tight ends in general, like I'm limiting them to putting their hand in the dirt and playing in a wing or close to the line of scrimmage. If you can get tight ends, you feel good about David Austin, whoever that can play from the slot with comfortability or play at X and line up, you know, that's, that's the element you look for. And I do think they're trying to do that stuff. I do. I do think there is some of that element there, but then that brings me back to, their thought in their mind is we have these two really good running backs. How do we get them the ball? Because, you know, ultimately what a coach's goal is, Jack, and I'm not, again, I'm not calling you wrong. I'm just telling you what their thought process is. Who's our best players with the football in their hands. And I know a part of it with Tennessee, with Cleveland is we think Kareem and Nick are two really good players with the football in their hands. So what I think can happen here is the analytic side of it is like, these are really good players we want to get them the football, but Kevin's thinking, how do I always get them the football? So that's the battle, right? That's the, that's the, and that's why I like almost having Kareem and Nick, and I'm not calling them a detriment to the Browns, but they might be a detriment to efficiency all the time. If you, if you understand what I'm saying, so you can obviously win with these guys, they run the football well enough as well as anybody, but is that running enough? That's the question is the way that they're running the football as efficient as it is almost hitting 2000 yards. That's great. That's awesome. But is that enough to actually win what matters? There's, there's a little bit of time here to see Anthony. I didn't mean to interrupt you going on a tangent there, but I think that's an interesting battle, right? Like it's a really interesting thing. Cause I want you to explain Anthony the PPOE too, when you start talking about a little bit of your opinion on where that metric number between run pass split goes. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I'll I'll start by kind of giving my 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 guess as to what we'll ultimately get to for for some of the most elite passing teams, and I I would have to guess that um, the ceiling might be pretty close to like eighty five percent, just based on you know uh, at at a game level, you, you, it's not unusual to see teams potentially get to that point. Um, well, I'll ask too. We got to be careful. I'll add a little caveat: is is uh. You know, if teams jump out early, if you go, if you go score four touchdowns, throwing the football, the rest of the game, you're probably not throwing it as much. So there's probably little tighter windows. It's all, it's all like game situation thing. So it's like, we, we want to get to 90%, but if we go up 35, nothing early, we're not just going to keep airing the football out the entire game. So I guess I'm asking you guys more specifically, you or Anthony in neutral situations to situations where you're maybe, I guess you could say like 10 points or trailing infinitely. Uh, lead or, or 14 point lead or whatever. I'm kind of, that's kind of what we're looking here for the audience's reference. Yeah. And, and that's a great segue to Jake into, into this, uh, the model that, that I was referring to on, on Twitter a little bit yesterday is uh, I'm going to call it PPOE, but it's uh, it's an expected pass model is what other people might call it. It's uh, inside the, the NFL fast star uh, NFL data package. Um, the, the models from Ben Baldwin, uh, at Ben B Baldwin on Twitter. Um, you can, you can follow him there, but he's, he's an analytics guy, puts out a lot of, a lot of great models and, and data for the community, uh, that are all publicly available. But basically the idea behind, uh, uh this PPOE model is to figure out, like, uh, down distance yard line time remaining and, uh, win probability. Uh, whether a team is is likely to pass. So, you know, if, if you're behind by, you know, two touchdowns or whatever late in the fourth quarter and you got a third and 15, the probability that you're going to pass is going to be far above 95%, probably close to like 98 or 99%. Um, so we can use that and take the difference between did you pass on that play and or didn't you pass on that play? And it'll give you um, kind of an estimate of 
how how what percentage of the time are you passing more than we might expect? And uh, you know, we saw the the Titans last year. I think had uh, like a negative fifteen uh, PPOE on on first and ten, which means they ran the ball fifteen percent of the time more often than than we would expect on first and ten. Uh, the Browns were also pretty negative in that regard, but um, that's kind of the way that I would approach the question of, of, you know, are teams actually running a lot or are they just in really positive situations? When you think about teams like um, uh, Kansas City, you know, they're going to get not only into a lot of situations where they're ahead, they're probably going to have a lot of situations where they have short down distances where they have, uh, you know, a better option to run um, and are, are more likely to do so as a result. So they're not necessarily a run heavy team. They're just in run heavy situations a lot. Um, so, so yeah, I, I would have to say in neutral situations, if we're talking like first and 10 um, uh, of a game where, you know, the score is, is not quite a factor and you're not really close to the end zone, I could see a, a future world where teams are passing the ball. You know, I would say maybe even 90% in that situation. But again, you know, Jack kind of alluded to it here is that the goal is kind of to get to a midpoint where, um, running the ball and passing the ball are equal in efficiency. Um, and, you know, to the extent that you can scare the defense into the threat of passing so much that mm-hmm. they put four guys in the box and you can run it with guys like Nick Chubb. And so, I mean, I imagine a, a future world of football where running backs are more valuable. They're not used maybe at the same rate, but are more are a lot more efficient than uh, they are in today's game. Yeah. And if you want, if you want to have, that guy, I mean, the future's guys like Demetrius Felton who have flexibility. And I like Kareem as a wide receiver. I, I just, you can tell that's not his thing. Yeah. I think that's what's, what's most, it, it, oh, listen, uh, that was a disrespect to Kareem on my end. He can do it. It's just not his most natural thing. Like there's right. no doubt he can do it. Um, but guys like Demetrius who have played a little bit of both, it's, it's the morph of uh, the morphing of quarterbacks over the last 20 years where they all went from these guys in high school offenses who played wing tees, they're under center, they're I formation guys, and they just didn't go to college with any understanding of how to read defenses. They had no clue. Like I came from a high school, ran wing T, then we get into college and it's spread. And I'm like, oh, what the hell is cover four? What the hell is cover six? I just know <laughs> that if I come off this play action fake, there's a tight end and, and a short route here. I can throw one of these two. So what's interesting is like, is the morphing of quarterbacks as we've seen these quarterbacks go from middle school, high school spread systems to college and know what they are already know all of these things and come in with an advanced mind uh, for the position. Do we see a morphing of running backs? This is what's most interesting is do we see a morphing of running backs to the point that paying a guy who can only tote the football almost becomes viewing them as a fullback in the next 20 years, almost like a guy who's from a Andy Janovich from a version spell. Oh, this guy can't even, he can't run a, a 10 to 15 yard out, or he can't run a dig. He can't do these things that we would like to do because, you know, you could, you could put, um, you know, you could put a, a, a five wide formation out of 12 personnel still, you know, you can get a team in that. And then if you do want to, then you get the right personnel, which is kind of what we're talking about, Jack, we we're talking more about guys in the box, but you know, if I get them in dime and then I put, and then I, you know, shift pre-snap shift and we just go straight to, you know, putting your two tight ends tight with a wing and, and running the football, that's what you want. I don't mind running into boxes when it's full of defensive backs. I have no issue with that. I don't like running into boxes that are full of linebackers and, and D linemen. So that's the problem. And I think that you can go somewhere with that. And um, listen, this is a fun discussion. I think there's a lot here. There's a lot to pick uh, from this, from this, you know, a lot of meat on this bone throughout the year. I want to really 
like let's mark our calendars and try to reconnect mid season because we can have a good piece of data. You know, I think the, probably the last half of the year was where the Browns will go into this year, right? Because there was so much learning that went on without the preparation. So I think that this will be fun to revisit the middle of the year. I think we can all agree that you shouldn't, we may not always agree with the number on first down, but if you, if you run the ball on second and 10, I think we all got a problem with that. Yes. So there I think we, we can all meet in the middle there. <laughs> Jackie, Jack, you want to add one thing, man? Yeah, just one thing that regularly comes up is um, play action passing and the, the yeah. impact that has. Um, all the data shown, Ben Baldwin's done several pieces on this, is it doesn't matter. Running the ball more doesn't make play action passing more efficient. And that's something that lots of people think would be the case. And you would naturally assume without looking at the data that that should be the case. It isn't. It doesn't change the way um, they've even spoke to like linebackers and they're like, we don't really factor that in because you're not talking about a giant shift, but all the data over all years, Ben Baldwin's looked at, it just didn't change it. And that's a really interesting point to note that just logically you would assume that makes a difference and it doesn't. Yeah. You, you would think you would think it would have a giant, giant impact. Um, but maybe the only thing it can change is how many, you know, if I, it could change a guy's step here or there. It could just change a little bit of a room. Like if I know Nick and Kareem are having, they've already gone for 180, I'm going to commit maybe two steps here instead of just one step. You're right. There's no doubt about it that the data is is pretty hard in place that it says, I don't care if you have, um, you know, Dearness Johnson back there. It doesn't really change a ton. It could just change a little bit the depth at which somebody pursues it. Maybe that means they can't quite get to that hook zone as flat or sorry, as quickly as they normally would. Just little things like that. But I, I definitely think you're right. The data does not support sitting here and saying the Browns need to run it on first down to set up the play action for later. I think that's a fallacy. I'm, I'm completely into that. And I again, to reiterate my point, I'm into throwing the football more. I'm a firm believer in it. And I even get to the point, I'm the yin-yang guy. Like if, if it's third and 13 and you have four guys in the box and dime, once or twice a game, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to try to sneak a run in there because teams aren't expecting it. I've, they, teams have had success with that in the last few years of sneaking some of those draw situations where they have teams spread out, or it hasn't even been draw. It's just been a nice gap scheme, like in a neutral position. Like if we come up to the field, it's third and 13 from the 50 yard line. I know I'm going for it on fourth down. I know it. So I'm going to run here against four man box and create a fourth down and two and something like that. So that, that stuff has been interesting to me. I'm, I'm completely for throwing early. I'm not the enemy here, people who love numbers. I promise you, I'm into throwing early. Uh, I just am going to be really curious to see what the Browns do because they are running this, this paradox of we have really good running backs. How do we get them the football? But also this data tells us that we should be throwing more on early down. So I think this could be a really fun topic to revisit uh, in the middle of the year. So, guys, Anthony, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. Jack, thanks for taking some time. And I don't know, what is it, midnight over there right now? I don't know. You're, you're the man. Thank you. Happy to be on. Okay, I apologize if I got a little wordy there, a little long-winded. Sometimes you guys give me flack for not letting the guests talk enough. I'm trying. I think there was a lot to put out there for the side of film study, and it, it's, it was two against one, and I just wanted to make sure the points got out. I think Anthony and Jack did a great job of illustrating the data-driven approach and where they think the game is going and what they think is best. That's for you to decide where you fall on that spectrum. I thought it was an interesting debate, and I wanted to get that over to you guys. So I hope you uh, enjoyed it. That's a wrap for this week's podcast. We'll be back Monday, though. We'll be back tomorrow, uh, depending on when you're listening to this. If you're listening to it on Sunday, uh, we will be joined by a special guest, who I really appreciate her insights, and I think you'll enjoy it, too. So 
you know, enjoy your Sunday or Monday or whatever it is when you listen to this. Thanks for joining us this week. If you have any comments, concerns, questions, whatever about this week's content, maybe the Chalk Talk, fire them over in the DMs or at the OBR. We'll take care of you. We'll get it figured out. Any suggestions, I'm always open to those as well. Trying to get guests that you would like to hear and uh, all of that. So have a great weekend. And as usual, until we talk next time, go Browns. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast.